0: What is up, beautiful Dynasty Leaguers? Welcome back to the Dynasty Dynamic. I'm your host, Max Cascons, joined by the man who's down on this QB class, <laughs> a.k.a. the Run DMC, a.k.a. Mr. Dan McAuliffe. Dan, just you and me tonight. How you doing, buddy? Maxwell, I'm
1: great. I'm great. I'm excited to, uh, to record this podcast tonight. It's going to be fun. Uh, we're going to be doing a uh, rookie Superflex mock draft. Uh, so finally getting into what we love most typically about Dynasty, which is actually drafting. Uh, so to be able to do this before all the landing spots is going to show us uh, kind of where things stand without being able to get those really attractive landing spots uh, for wide receivers, running back, etc. So we're going to find out where we might be very right with the uh, NFL draft, and we might find out where we are terribly wrong. Uh, but that's the fun of this, right? You, you got to start to shoot your shot a little bit. This is going to be leaning a little bit more on athletic profiles, so... Uh, you and I, man, we're going to start to uh, rattle through this tonight. I'm excited.
0: There we go, baby. Yeah. So a couple things here. One, I've seen a lot of people out there doing their pre-draft single QB mocks and those people are cowards. They're afraid <laughs> to be wrong, right? We're going to be wrong with some of these. Okay. But I wanted to do super flex because that's the format that we think is the best. And I wanted to stick with that. And then also just a couple notes there. Mike, unfortunately, couldn't join us tonight, but it was supposed to be a three-person mock, so we have Mike's picks, and this was basically just Mike, Dan, me, over and over for four sets to complete the first round of a mock draft. So, um, before we jump into that, Tweet of the Week, the GOAT in the fantasy space, the, the inventor of the Konami code for quarterbacks, at Lord Reeves, had a great one that we will throw up on Twitter and put in the show description but there's also one more announcement, Dan. I want to make because Ooh. this is a dark day for you and one such Mike McCallum <laughs> in the Dynasty <laughs> dynamic because we've made some upgrades. This is true in the old in the old Getting production stronger. department. So if I sit here and I say, Dan, you're way too high on Kyle Pitts.
1: No, are you kidding me? Okay, well then, yes, yeah, get into it.
0: I mean, I don't even need you to be here <laughs> That's anymore. True. I have the. I have the power of my fingertips. Mike's not even on the show. Mike, what do you think about Kyle Pitts? Is he like at the same level of some other guys?
1: Yeah, I would say that Kyle Pitts probably comes in right behind Logan Thomas. Uh, oh so there man, you go. this is dangerous. This is
0: dangerous. I am all powerful, <laughs> all knowing. The Dad, soundboard what did you rules. Think of Keyshawn Vaughn a couple of years ago. You were, and I oh. again yeah,
1: exactly. We approach that. We're both Keyshawn Vaughn lovers. Yeah. Thought that one was buried uh, deep in the uh, the history books. Apparently not. Apparently not.
0: Woof. This We are turning to a new chapter. And uh, I was saying to Dan before, this is either going to go very, very great or <laughs> extremely poorly. Uh, and the floor <laughs> is very We're low. Gonna here, so We're going to find out. We're going to find out. going to try not to ruin the show, but we will press on. So, Dan, I'm going to let you kick it off. You know, Mike wasn't here, but 101 Mike McAuliffe in the rookie draft. Went pretty chalky here. Who do he you push the button on?
1: Yep, exactly. Um, this is pretty chalky here, but we stand by it. Uh, we we got Brees Hall uh, going with the one oh one. Um I think you see plenty of conversations uh, right now with both one QB and superflex. This being the move as it stands right now. I think we're going to talk about another guy who you could probably see maybe draft up a little bit uh, depending on what happens in the the NFL draft, but. Brees Hall, I mean, he's, he's an absolute stud. He's exactly what you want in a workhorse running back there. His 40-yard, his speed, his burst score, all above like 94th percentile, which is insane. College Dominator, also above 94th percentile. He is 217 pounds, uh, 5'11". Like, he's everything that you'd want in that. And you see plenty of comps to some stellar uh, elite running backs uh, before him, uh, including one who is uh, playing very well right now, which is Jonathan Taylor. Uh, So there's plenty of different things that we still have to see and how it kind of shakes out. But from a profile perspective, it's really hard to poke holes in what Brees Hall did uh, during his career, especially within the past two years where he had back-to-back seasons of over 1400 yards. Like that's, really stellar production, really stellar, stellar athleticism. So I uh, can't, can't really say too much more. Don't want to belabor it. We've talked about him on other shows as well. Uh, this was a pretty smash pick for pretty many, any of us uh, when we were talking about it afterwards.
0: That that was a hundred percent going to be my response is just, we don't need to talk about this. We've talked about Brees Hall on other shows. So yep. let's, let's move on to the second pick. And this was you, Dan. So where did yes. you go with the one Oh two?
1: So with this being, Superflex, and with me maybe not having much faith in a good majority of the rest of the quarterbacks in this class, I went with Malik Willis here uh, because I wanted to be able to take someone that I think has the most upside when it comes to this class overall. Uh, as we were mentioning earlier with the whole Superflex, Brees Hall, like there could be a scenario where if Malik Willis gets enough uh, draft capital that he could be considered at the one one Uh, For those who aren't aware, this is a quarterback out of Liberty, Um, and the big thing with him is we've mentioned before you're seeking out these high upside, especially kind of Konami code, as you were just saying with Lord Reeves, uh, types of profiles uh, for quarterbacks. And of the ones that we have here, Malik Willis is, in my opinion, one that fits that type of kind of prototype best. Uh, he has extreme arm talent though. So that's the other thing that's nice to be able to see is you're not having someone who's just a runner and you're going to have all the production coming from there. He is very well graded when it comes to big time throws and especially when it comes to big time throws, uh, as compared to turnover worthy plays. So it's not like he's just chucking up a bunch of big throws, but then half of them end up getting intercepted. He has some good accuracy there. He needs to be in a system that's going to support him in that type of specific uh, role. But I think it's, again, any team that's looking to take him highly is probably going to be thinking about that. Um, The only thing that I would say is kind of in question is the draft capital that's coming along with this, right? Because I think you see a lot of people assuming right now that he's going to be going to like a Carolina, I've seen the Detroit Lions, a few different key teams that would be like, okay, that could be a pretty kind of sexy uh, landing spot for him. But there is a potential for him to maybe free fall if everyone's kind of playing chicken with one another in the NFL draft being like, yeah, we know some teams need this, but we all don't want to take the first step. And that's where you could see a little bit more of a free fall uh, from Malik Willis than expected. And I would say that's applicable to any of these guys. So that's my two cents uh, on where I stand right now. Uh, With it being super flex, I feel like you got to take a quarterback here. So I'm going with the one with the largest upside.
0: I think knowing everything we know today on April 19th, right, still a little over a week away from the draft. I think it's the right pick. Um yep. and I, I think you know if he went at the 102, I think maybe there's a, I'm talking real NFL draft, not yep. your pick. Yep. If he went to the Lions at 102, I think there's a conversation, right? You could sure. make an argument for him to be up there in that Breeze Hall super flex tier. Um the the level of competition thing that, that's a big one for me, right? So I was very down on Zach Wilson throughout the process mm-hmm. last year because of the level of competition. If I'm going to make those arguments, the same thing has to hold true for Malik Willis, for sure. right? This is somebody who I can't remember if it was Bo Nix or Jared Siddham, but like couldn't beat that guy out and had to transfer to Liberty to go play football. So yeah. immense ceiling. Um maybe about up until a week ago he was one of two qbs that i thought we were absolute sure they were first round locks we'll talk about the other one later yeah um but right now knowing what we know today given the mobility it gives him a pretty safe floor i think it's the right pick so 103 is where it gets interesting because this is where you start to in a lot of different rankings and mocks start to who's your favorite receiver who's your favorite receiver coming off the board and for me, I mean I named my Elden Ring character after him. I don't I'm not gonna <laughs> reference what level he is these days because I don't want people to Get know another. how many video games I play. <laughs> but uh he's learned a lot of spells in the last couple of weeks and it's Traylon Burks. And it's Traylon Burks and I've held strong since day one, right? Yep. He still has like an eighty fifth percentile speed score. I feel like he started tumbling down the rankings. I was in the same boat. I wanted him to run in the four fours. Sure. I think in the four fives is fine because the production was there and the production was there on an absolutely awful team. So this is somebody with, you know, 350 plus um, special teams yards and 38 career rush attempts As sorry, 350 special teams yards as a true freshman in the sec. So dynamic playmaker, we've talked about this a bunch of times, 38 career rush attempts. I think it's interesting when you look at these receivers on a pound for pound basis, he was number one in the class in yards per route run, according to sharp football, and number one in adjusted yards per team pass attempt, according to RotoViz. So when you look at this across the board and you're trying to level the playing field, on a per opportunity basis, Traylon Burks was the most productive player in this pla- in this class, playing on an absolutely atrocious <laughs> Arkansas team.
1: Yeah. It's against
0: fair. the against the best defenders in college football right yeah he wasn't tossing around corners in the big 10 that are never going to go to the nfl he was playing against the elite of the elite and i will leave you with this next level with the ball in his hands 57.2 percent of his yardage in 2021 came after the catch i am holding strong with Traylon burks What do you think, Dan? Am I right on this one or do you feel differently?
1: Yep. No, I think um, I think he still sits atop um, as my wide receiver one as it stands. I think, as you said, this is where it really does become like pick your guy based on the profile and it very well could shift drastically when it comes to landing spot. I think you and I are both a proponent of like, don't let landing spot dictate things too much. And that's why it's fun to do these things right now, right? To get, where's your head at before you have a big, sexy landing spot, because then all of a sudden you do get the Clyde Edwards Hilares over the uh, Jonathan Taylors. So you don't want it to stray you too much. Um, But I would say as it stands right now, um, to be able to look at the production that he had on a not ideal offense against some stellar defense uh, and to be able to, uh, have that amount of production kind of after catch and really be able to make his own plays. I think that means that he can be very friendly from anything from a veteran quarterback to even a rookie. You're going to see a lot of these landing spots are going to land uh, guys with a rookie quarterback or a like second year quarterback who really does need someone who can make big plays happen. And I think he's definitely someone who's going to be able to do that. Uh, so yeah I think as it stands right now Traylon Burks is sitting there uh, but there is another guy who's pretty darn close for me uh, lately uh, in the rankings and maybe that translates nicely into the next picks that we have here so we have the 104 uh, which was a pick by Mike and that is Drake London so this is wide receiver out of USC Um, first thing I want to cover is just his stature and his his height and weight here you got six four so uh, to my uh, knowledge one of the taller uh, wide receivers in this class by a a solid margin in 213 so this is fitting more of a true like alpha proton profile when it comes to just like his stature there which i definitely take into account it's something that i I, over time it's actually been proven that those with slightly higher bmis hold up better in the nfl and are going to produce more fantasy points so i want someone that's already kind of coming into the nfl helping fit that mold there but when it comes to production, one of the things that is a metric that you and I, we have always loved, I'm still trying to find the ways to be enamored by it, but not be jaded <laughs> by it, because uh, we do have the Brian Edwards, etc. cetera, of the world. Uh, but it's breakout age, and it's basically uh, your ability to um, make your mark on a team uh, early when it comes to a market share production standpoint. So his breakout age of 18.1 is a 100th percentile breakout age. Uh, pretty stellar. And basically it means that as soon as he stepped out on the field his freshman year, he was a boss, especially when it came to uh, how he was being compared to some of his other teammates. And so let's take a look at his other teammates there, right? We have Michael Pittman, who is now rocketing up uh, a lot of people's draft boards because of what he did last year uh, and now getting, uh, in my opinion, a quarterback upgrade with Matt Ryan. Uh, And then I'm on Ross St. Brown, another uh, guy who's just a total um, stud when it comes to what he did last year. I think we've had our arguments. Is he going to continue to do that? Um, Up in the air. It's a question mark, right? There's some things kind of against him, but we still can't dispute that he did some pretty great things on the field last year. So those are two good talents. And he uh, and Drake London still came onto the field and produced immediately uh, with those guys as teammates there. So the other thing uh, just that kind of comes along with this is the target share. So we're looking at 81st percentile target share, about 27%. The only major question mark I kind of have right now is athletic testing uh, to which there is none because there's been opt outs uh, both at the combine and pro day for some of the big metrics that we would want to be able to see with 43 cone, all those types of things. So it does beg the question, why is that happening? Uh, Why is he opting out of these things Uh, and is there a concern that they're kind of trying to hide some things as he compares to some of his other wide receivers in this class? Um, or is it just uh, like a confidence of, hey, not necessary, go off what you see? He's kind of told a lot of scouts, watch the tape, you'll see how fast they am, Uh, but then kind of leaving it at there. So that's the one thing that's like hard, especially for you and I, who really do love seeing the athletic profiles of wide receivers, not being able to see that is the biggest question mark there. But regardless, uh, looking at the production he had, his breakout age, uh, and just his overall kind of size puts him at the, uh, the wide receiver too for me.
0: Yeah, it's funny. We were having this conversation throughout the last couple of days where and, and now the big knock on Drake London from everybody is he had a lot of contested catches. So now he's Nikhil Harry. in yes. rookie Yes. Oh, right. Which yeah. once upon a time being Nikhil Harry was a good thing. Okay? Exactly. He, was, he had a great profile. That profile is still of, good.
1: Uh, so can still have a good profile and, and fall flat on their face. But that's a story for another day.
0: Yeah, and and it's funny that we lead this draft with the two kind of really prototypical alphas. I mean, Christian Watson, we're not going to talk about him today, but I mean if if he can uh if he can play up to his athleticism, I mean, he could be a problem in the NFL as well. For sure. But these are really the two wide receiver one archetypes in in at the top of these boards. Yep. And people are like, "Well, Drake London Contested catches. That was a big part of his game. He's Nikhil Harry. People are also saying Trey Holland Burks is Nikhil Harry. So they can't both be Nikhil Harry. <laughs> this people. is true. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> well, maybe one of them can be Nikhil Harry, but um, I'm not as concerned about the athleticism piece that you mentioned. It'd be a nice to know. Yeah. Um, but with the size, with the resume, all the production with other, not just other drafted pass catchers, but other drafted pass catchers that have proven to be really good on an NFL field, I'm fine with Drake London. He's still sitting at two for me just because, and we will get to this, this player in a moment um, of kind of the top wide receivers. I think they are the safest bets to fill a wide receiver. One role in today's current NFL, which brings me to the third wide receiver off the board. The next pick at the one Oh five, Dan, this was you. Who did you push the button on?
1: So with this one, I ended up pushing the button on Garrett Wilson. Uh, definitely, of course, would have been interested in the other two, as we just talked about him, if he fell there. But now this becomes the, I think, in my opinion, I have all three of these wide receivers in kind of one glommy group right now that haven't fully separated. But you got like your 1A, your 1B, 1C. Uh, so Garrett Wilson here, he's a wide receiver out of Ohio State. And just as you said, the main reason uh, for me that he kind of falls uh, below is in terms of the alpha size profile, he's a little on the lighter side, uh, still a little t- tall, decently tall. I mean, we're talking about six um, foot flat and 185 pounds, uh, so not tiny, but definitely a little slimmer um, and compared to some of the other guys we've talked about. He's got great speed. He ran a a 3 8 um, 40 which is 95th percentile, which is really nice to see. And he also was very productive with some really stiff competition. I mean, we're going to talk about another uh, wide receiver, o- uh, Olave, later. Uh, and then you also got JSN who Whoa, is, spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He, he, guys, he does exist in this first round here. Spoiler alert. Um, so you got some other like real stiff competition when it comes to, uh, wide receivers on the field and being able to kind of make kind of name for himself. And I just think of, um, the two Ohio state, uh, wide receivers we have here. I just, I prefer him uh, a bit more. I think he was more productive and just has a, a certain edge to his game, Um, as compared to the other ones there. So I was torn because there's probably another guy right after this that we'll talk about where I was kind of weighing my options. Do I want to take Garrett Wilson or do I maybe want to go running back? Um, But again, I think I don't want to discount what Garrett Wilson has done um, for his college career. And I do think he could find a very nice landing spot um, that would make it a lot harder for me because if he finds maybe, let's say, the most attractive landing spot out of some of these three, it might start to shift my mindset a little bit. But as it stands right now, from a production standpoint, he's my wide receiver three.
0: Yeah, and I there are some people that have him as the wide receiver one right yep. now. Yep. And, and, you know, again, it is fun to get this tape for us, put it out there of where we had these guys pre-draft and then look back. But to me, I think the thing, first of all, Garrett Wilson, five-star recruit coming out of high school, yep. played on a monster Ohio state team um, with Olave with maybe potentially if he comes out next year, the best of the three of them, Jackson yeah. Smith and Jigba um, exactly. absolute beast. And they're share the field with another player that might come up later in the show. Now that we're doing teasers, Dan. Um, but I think the thing to me is just, I worry about, I think he's probably the safest pick of these three. Um, very, very refined route runner absolute stud after the catch, just ability to make plays in all quadrants of the football field. And like you said, I mean, runs a four, three, eight. So has the speed to threaten everywhere. Um, It's interesting that you took him because if you would, if I was wagering who I thought you would have taken, it's the guy that fell to me at the one Oh six. Yes. And that is Kenneth Walker who really at this point, like, you know, Kenneth Walker is some people are, saying that he might be the first running back the NFL actually takes off the board. So exactly there is a lot of Kenneth Walker hype. Um, Somebody who I think was very highly regarded over 1600 rushing yards this past season absolutely blew up, but I think it got taken to the next level when he shredded the combine. Right. Yep. So when we saw the four, four wheels, I think everybody was like, okay, there's another sheriff to go with Brees Seriously. Hall. Seriously. Yeah. In this draft class. And I think he is a smash in the mid-round. One, I think these running backs that are probably going to get the draft cap, we're baking draft capital in with all this stuff. He and Brees Hall are probably going to go in the second and third round. That's, that's my guess. Maybe, maybe we get Brees Hall in the first. I doubt it'll happen. But I think with Kenneth Walker, the two holes that you can poke in his game is, one, you know, the inability early in his career at Wake Forest to really seize the role was concerning yeah um i did actually take a look at his sophomore season and though he still wasn't like the lead lead runner which you know you want you don't want these guys to be in a committee right with with other guys that aren't really being talked about in this draft class you want them to be the lead back but it would have been about a thousand yard pace which would have put him in a thousand yards his um sophomore season and had like i said an absolute explosion 1600 yards i mean that game against michigan fifth ranked team in the country, probably one of the top defenses, 197 yards. He's put everything on film that we want to see. And he's checking a lot of boxes that the metrics community wants to see. I think easily the biggest ding on him is just, will he be a pass catcher at the next level?
1: Yep. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the biggest question probably in, in
0: his entire profile. Yeah. And so I think if we knew that, I think he'd be right there with Brees Hall, right? Doesn't, yep. doesn't, absolutely check all the boxes. The early career production wasn't there like it was for Brees Hall. You know, i I, like I said, I think this is a smash in the, um, in the sixth slot. I, I honestly, the more I was thinking about these mix of players and how you shoot for floor and ceiling and how you want to structure your drafts. I think you can make an argument to take him as high as the one Oh three. I
1: don't disagree. I think you're, you're spot on is in this particular instance. I can almost guarantee he's going to be higher post-draft for us if we we do another mock draft afterwards just because i do think the nfl is going to love what this kid can do uh i do think he's going to start to rocket up draft boards i still want to kind of let people know like being able to catch passes is fantastic uh a i think what you mentioned previously with like previous um two years of his college career not being as productive and then throughout all three maybe not catching passes like there is an instance where you can still be good at it, but not have been asked to do it. And so I am kind of curious. I mean, he he still did not have a big market share in the uh, targets as a whole. So that makes sense. Like there's something that's a question mark for me, for sure. But we have seen plenty of other running backs do well with not having like an amazing pass catching profile. I mean, when I start to think of comps for him, on the lower end i have like a lamar miller type of uh, prototype in my mind uh it's not as sexy it's not what everyone wants to hear across the board but again very productive uh overall had many top uh fantasy seasons for us without being like a, a super super big pass catcher in his previous college career uh and then when it comes to like more of the ceiling stuff I have like a J.K. Dobbins slash Nick Chubb is like the ultimate, right? I don't want to say he's Nick Chubb just because he doesn't catch passes. Nick Chubb is a beast. He's his own thing. But there are uh, running backs that weren't like super, super um, pass catchers, at least in their college career, uh, and have still become a very, very great fantasy assets for us. So hoping it goes to a place that can utilize them uh, and maybe even introduce a little bit more pass catching to be able to make that a really, really attractive um, landing spot going forward
0: sure and and you know it's it's something we'd want to see but it's not like because he didn't do it in college he'll never be able to do it in the nfl right these guys learn they get better they change they get coached that's where i think the coaching matters you know and just in terms of like what what scheme you're gonna land in and how they put you to use and emphasize your strengths Exactly. Um, but yeah let's let's flip over to the back half of this round mike coming in at the 107 because i I still think the first half is pretty chalk, right? You see a lot of these guys in a very similar order, no matter where you're looking, whether it's on Twitter, on your favorite ranking site, whatever, this is where it gets fun. So Mike, Mike kind of keeps it chalk with what we've been told so far um, and takes Kenny Pickett at the one Oh seven. And Dan, we, we know from prior shows that you were, you know, just love Kenny Pickett, those monstrous hands he has, like really <laughs> uh, can The just... old Jack Kelly, exactly. The old Jack <laughs> Kelly hands, man. They're going to get him. I mean, again, up until maybe this week, he and Malik Willis were the guys that felt like the locks. And I think yep. Mike, you know, he's not here to defend himself or this pick. I feel like this is a little high to start swinging on some of these quarterbacks pre draft. Um, there's some rumblings that that Kenny Pickett might be in free fall mode in the NFL's eyes. And, you know, we never know why, but in general, I've covered Kenny Pickett on prior shows, you know, really balled out in 2021, like the biggest single leap pro football focus in terms of uh, rating their players has seen in a year five. And that's coming from the service that charted Joe Burrow in that LSU year Um, 42 touchdowns and seven interceptions this past year, 13 and nine the, the prior two years, exactly 13 to nine in 2020 and 2019. So my thing with Kenny Pickett is just, I, I get that there's a lot of things that the scouts like accuracy, timing, those types of things. The one year wonder thing really scares me. Yeah. Um. And then also, I mean, what's really kept him at the top of these super flex drafts has been the implied draft capital, right? For a long time, yeah. it was, Even when, you know, Malik Willis, everybody knew what he was. Kenny Pickett was the guy that's like, nope, Kenny Pickett's going to be the first off the board. And now it's like, well, Kenny Pickett's probably going to be the second off the board. Well, now Kenny Pickett might go with the back of the first round. And all of a sudden, you know, you run into these guys in the back half of the first round. Like there's plenty of hits there, but you're also really running the risk. If you look at historically these guys that do not secure this high, high leverage draft capital to give them that rope at the next level where they can fail for a couple of years and still be okay.
1: Yep. I, I think that's a perfect way to say it because I anticipate Kenny Pickett would likely be waiting to be a starter if he's drafted anywhere other than, like the lions or uh carolina carolina seems to be like the the main area where they're saying like interesting so you
0: to. don't think atlanta if atlanta took kenny pickett you think marcus Mariota's I beating him out i seriously think that there would at <laughs>
1: least be a competition there and i, I seriously I, I i think there's enough that they're going to want to kind of see how um he works there and so it's different in my mind with this with what you're going to see for draft capital I'm willing to, in using last year as an example, wait on like a Trey Lance, right? Because of how highly he was taken. it's wasn't like a, oh, we hope we take this and then maybe he works out in camp and maybe he doesn't. Like Trey Lance is going to play at some point. You can't draft a quarterback that highly and not. Versus what you have with Kenny Pickett here, if he gets drafted anywhere beyond like the Panthers, I do worry about him sitting. And then uh, if it's kind of far enough down, next year's class is looking great. And does he become a project that didn't work out? And all of a sudden you've blown a first round pick in this uh, for like fantasy purposes on a guy that might've just been a project all along. That's what worries me with most of these other quarterbacks, to be honest, until we see that commitment, which is why, again, I would agree too high in my perspective. I, I get where Mike's head's at because he still is one of the guys that is still kind of technically still seems to be locked into the mocks kind of early. But he could free fall, and if he does, he is definitely not going at at this pick for me here.
0: Yeah, it, it's going to be so interesting, specifically for the quarterbacks. It'll be one of the more interesting draft days that I've seen in a yeah. while. Because I didn't allude to this when you said it, but I mean, now that we got the mics on, I mean, this is... I'm also not super impressed by this class. I think Malik Willis with the rushing yep. really insulates him as a exactly. like, even if he's bad in the NFL, yeah. he'll probably still be okay for your fantasy team. Right. Um, Especially if, if he gets the draft capital that we're thinking, but with Kenny Pickett, that's not there. Right. And yep. um, we'll, we'll cover some more of these guys as well, but you were up next. So with the 108 did not go quarterback position. Let us know no. who you push the button on here.
1: All right. So we, we started to, to gently allude to uh to him uh, earlier when we were talking about uh some of the other ohio state uh wide receivers but we got jameson williams here uh who is wide rec- receiver alabama um which is the most recent school that he was at but he was uh over at ohio state previously for his first two years we'll get into that in a moment um first thing taking a look at uh we got 6'1 180 pounds This is one reason why he kind of falls down a little bit, because I do want to see someone that has a higher BMI there, a little bulkier, a little bit more fitting the alpha profile. Not outrageous, but definitely uh, would love to see potentially if he's able to bulk up a little bit uh, going into the season. That would be fantastic. But that could come at the sacrifice of what? Elite speed. And that's something that he has. He wasn't able to t- uh, test at the combine there, but they haven't clocked it at a 4-3-40, uh, which is 100th percentile. Like the dude is super, super fast. So it's really nice to be able to see that. That's something that the NFL values very highly. We've seen plenty of other wide receivers uh, get overdrafted just for that one skill set alone. Uh, if you're up in that Out echelon. of the same school, no less. <laughs> yes, exactly. it is very true. Um, and so there is the, the, the worry, though, of course, um, he is rehabbing his ACL. Uh, and that's one of the main reasons he slipped down boards. But again, got to take him at their word. But the doctors um, that have kind of checked him out, they don't see any damage or anything that would be making him lose uh, a step that has yet to be determined. There's still plenty of recovery process along the way. But it is nice to at least kind of hear that um, kind of mentioned uh, by them. So the biggest thing to kind of point out is the reason why he's here: an amazing, amazing junior year. Uh, He was super, super productive uh, over at a great Alabama team this year. He led the SEC in receiving yards, yards per reception, and touchdowns. 1,500 yards and 15 touchdowns. Insane season really really had
0: 350 teams 350 yards on special teams too yeah that's
1: true honestly i saw that i was even gonna bring that in here too because i know you love your uh your special teams there so love my kick return across rush, the board absolutely uh fantastic to be able to see um and which is why we're talking about it now because it just it blew a lot of people away But there is probably the one question um, that a lot of people have around him. And it was actually maybe similar to some of the stuff that we're talking about with Kenneth Walker, et cetera, is like was highly underutilized uh, in his first two years. And you could argue that he wasn't able to make enough of an impact to make the field. I was going to say (laughs) underutilized is a nice way to put it. (laughs) Well, yeah, exactly. Now knowing what we see. Retroactively, I would say underutilized, right? Because we're seeing, uh, we saw him do monster things this year. So now it's hard to say for those two seasons without seeing this third season that he was underutilized because he didn't know what he could do. Now, but again, Ohio State, uh, you had uh, Olave, you have um, Garrett Wilson, like hard, stiff competition, right? So. In his best interest, especially seeing uh, JSN be coming into the the fold, he's like, I'm out, I'm going to Alabama, and he absolutely blows it up. So the kid knew what he could do, um, whether the coaching didn't see it that way, whether they just valued what uh, Wilson and Olave and all those guys were doing instead. It is what it is, and it's hard to kind of parse through, right, because it is this massive question mark of, like, what were they seeing over at Ohio State that wasn't getting him on the field? And then he has this blow up you can't discount that this is an incredible season that he's had there, but it is a little bit of a buyer beware with like, we saw the, that massive jump with Kenny pick we saw it with um, Kenneth Walker. This is we're kind of in this group now, right? Of these one hit wonders. And now we have to, we're kind of forcing ourselves to think through what is the signal and the noise. And is this something that is going to continue as they go into the NFL or was this right place, right time, uh, et cetera. So Overall, the good news is it does seem like the NFL is in on Jamison Williams still. Uh, You're seeing a lot of mocks that are still putting him in the top 20. Uh, So if you were able to lock in that type of draft capital, that's going to make me feel good about it. Because at that point, that's the NFL saying, this isn't a one-hit wonder. This is someone who is going to be a star in the NFL and putting their money where their mouth is when they push the draft button in the top 20 there. So if that happens... I I mean, easily, I think I see him bump up uh, one spot here in our mock draft uh, ahead of like a Kenny Pickett. And then it's even becomes a larger question seeing where the other landing spots are for the other guys. Because I am very hyped on him. And the fact that that one season he put up was
0: fantastic. So I rest my case with Jamison Williams, the uh, the yeah. boy. Yeah. It- it was an interesting one. Um, you know, we, we were lazy. We just did this draft via text message, especially in our, <laughs> our little group message. Uh, why even fire up any app? We don't need it. Um, <laughs> and when when you texted the Jamison Williams pick, uh, first of all, I think it's fine. I think him and, and a couple of the players we'll talk about next. I mean, it's, it's really hard to detangle some of these guys in the group. It just didn't feel like a Dan pick to me. I mean, we've had probably 100, 200, 300 hours of dynasty yeah. conversations at this point in our lives. And I was like, wow, I would have really pegged you for Chris Olave there. Mm. Um, broke out a little earlier. Uh, I was even surprised you liked Jameson Williams with a 51st percentile breakout age. In I know, I'm trying to get a little bit with... more
1: well-rounded and trying
0: to expand <laughs> yes, my repertoire yes. here, but. Well, you're doing a good job. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, the transfer thing is such a riddle to me because on one hand, I mean, Dan, he did nothing his yeah. first two years at that's Ohio true. state. Like, and it wasn't like there was another before, before um, Jackson Smith and Jigba came there. It it wasn't like there was another third wide receiver stealing that production. I mean, yeah. JK Dobbins was having like 2000 yards on the ground, but that's I mean, right. it, there was not a third fiddle there. And Jamison Williams, two years just couldn't seize it. So yeah. that's concerning. But the flip side of the same argument is he transfers to the toughest conference in college exactly. football. Like, if you don't think SEC teams are coming to, to take their shots at the champs every single week that Alabama's on the field, yeah. I mean, you're crazy. So I'm having a hard time with it. I do like the little cherry on top. I mean, he averaged like 35 yards per kick return, which is pretty ridiculous. Yeah. And if we're going for speedsters, which... Also, by the way, your note in uh, in our show doc, sounds like something my friend would text me trying to trade him to me. Doctors confirm should retain speed. Um, that sounds like someone trying to sell me on a Jameson Williams trade tomorrow. But, I mean, like, he has the size to go with the speed, right? Where when we were, like, championing a Rondell Moore, like some of yep. these monster, dynamic athletes, right? Or you look at some of these guys that historically run in the four, fours and the four threes and just don't have the size at the next level. Like at least he has a little bit of that size. I'll be totally honest. I'm not sure what to do with Jamison Williams at this point in time. I guarantee you, he goes in the first round because he played at Alabama and he had 1500 yards last year. So I think the draft capital will be there. I think it's just, do you want to shoot for the ceiling or do you want to shoot for the floor? Which I think is a pretty good segue into my next pick that came off the board, which was Chris Olave at the one oh nine. And everything I said about Garrett Wilson, just dumb it down like slightly. And that's basically Chris Olave. Yeah. Played in the same offense, so ate up each other's targets. Um, same type, same archetype, right? Like smaller, little slimmer, fast wide receiver, also ran in the four threes. The big thing that Olave in my eyes, why didn't he come out last year? Yeah. Like I found an old note with my 2021 uh, rookie rankings, and Olave was there. Like, he yeah. was projected to be a high pick that year. So, the non early declare thing is a little concerning, but I mean, even had a better breakout age than Garrett Wilson. Ridiculous. 20%, 20%, Dan, of his collegiate receptions went for touchdowns. Man. Highest rate in this draft class. That's so, wild. the guy is a touch, he makes money in the paint. He is a touchdown scoring machine. So I think that's an interesting dichotomy right there. Do you want to shoot for the potential superstardom of a Jamison Williams? Or do you want to shoot for a guy that kind of profiles more as like a very safe plug-and-play wide receiver two or flex yeah. type of player?
1: Nope, I think that's a perfect way to put it. There's this juxtaposition between those two. Uh, and sometimes it comes down to what your team needs too, right? I mean, that that's that's the other thing that comes into all this. You can put your rankings out all day, but if you have those two side-by-side, even post-draft... Um, if you have some superstars already and you just need a really reliable flex, um, Olave seems to be a little bit more fit in that, that prototype there. Um, but that's where we have them kind of both back-to-back at this time.
0: I love that the Ohio State is just holding down the floor for fantasy football. It's like Garrett Wilson, safer, <laughs> yeah. safer than Treylon Burks. Chris Olave, safer than Jamison Williams. Exactly. It's true. Just churning out really. some, some reliable old hosses there. Really playing the game theory there. So we get back to the ghost of Mike and Mike decided that he did not have enough QBs with the Kenny Pickett (laughs) and the Charlie Kelly hand. Oh, sorry. The Jack Kelly hands. Um, So Mike went back to the well and Matt Corral comes off the board at one ten. And I think this is a very interesting pick because of all of the QBs we're talking about in this draft. This is a guy that 95th percentile college QBR. And 94th percentile yards per attempt, the only one that faced the toughest competition that college football has to offer. Exactly. And I've talked about Matt Corral on prior shows, right? There's a lot of data out there about he really wasn't asked to play quarterback the way it's played in the NFL. A lot of RPOs, not a lot of like more than, you know, a couple step drops. Like he, he is kind of viewed as a project quarterback. Yep. But man, I mean, if if a team can mold him, has the athleticism, has the accuracy, like he is a very very good player that I think, just if given some time and not having to start right away or going to the right team, yep. could really pay off. And the kicker here is, like these mock drafters and these these big boards are like they're having as much trouble as we are detangling these quarterbacks for sure, and. So, you see him going anywhere from the top 10, which would be just a wow on yep. draft day, to the back of the first round, some even having him at the beginning of the second. Um, I do just think the one thing that's constantly overlooked here is like all of these guys kind of have their flaws. If you compare it to the last couple quarterback classes, it's just not as strong. But Matt, could, Matt Corral produced three years in the SEC, and he produced yeah. after Elijah Moore was gone, after DK Metcalf was gone, after AJ Brown was gone on that team. So, Mike, I kind of like this pick more than the Kenny Pickett pick um, at this spot in the draft. I think that, again, with with some of these quarterbacks, it's really just going to come down to landing spot in draft capital.
1: Exactly. No, I, I think exactly as you said, it's going to come down to the draft capital there because I do also see him as a bit of a project quarterback um, to be able to like sit and learn, etc. And then it just comes down to, OK, where did the NFL take him at that point? Because I, I have a really hard time taking a project quarterback if they didn't come with very high draft capital, because there's a very easy way for the NFL to move on, forgets pick up a vet on a contract or whatever, stick with them. There's just not as much insulation of value. So that's where, again, it's gonna be hard. A lot of these guys, I could start to see uh, if they do dip into the second, like great value that you can get uh, that's kind of what I hope is, uh, happens with some of these guys. If they dip into the late first or kind of early second for the NFL draft, these are guys that you could get with extreme upside for a second-round pick. I'm just – have always pressed – I have hard pressed to press the button on them in the first right now just because there's much less value insulation uh, than there might be with Malik Willis, right? The, the one guy that I think is probably most destined to get the draft capital we want.
0: Yeah, I have, and I mean, we're not going to talk about him today. So another spoiler, just this show is full of spoilers. Uh, Sam Howell did not make his way into our first round mock. And I've kind of had him and Matt Corral penciled in as guys that I feel like I'm just going to be smashing the button on in the second round. And quarterback's a funny game, man. I mean, you see these chairs open up. Jalen Hurts went in the second round. I was chanting and chanting for his path to open up, and it finally did. So some of these guys... You know, you play the game theory, you take the value with these positions, um, but it'll be very interesting. I mean, if Matt Corral goes top 10 on draft day, watch out. It's, yep. it's going to get crazy.
1: For sure. Exactly. But till we see it, I think he makes perfect sense to be more around here.
0: So second to last pick fell back to you, Dan, and uh, let us know where you took your last shot
1: here. Yeah. So this this is actually, uh, to just explain my, my game theory just slightly here. Uh, this is why I passed on Kenneth Walker, um, where he was for Garrett Wilson, just a science experiment, see where Isaiah Spiller uh, fell to in this kind of first round, just to kind of see where, where can you get him compared to like what you and Mike uh, kind of saw him at. And this is exactly where I thought he might potentially fall to. Um, so my pick here, Isaiah Spiller, uh, running back out of Texas A&M. And prior to like the start of this offseason he was a bit more of a darling for a lot more people anyone who played in like debbie leagues etc like he was way up there uh i was on people's radar for quite some time i think if you ask a lot of people going into the 2021 season he probably would have easily been in the conversation for some as running back one to be honest just based on some of the analysts and the way that they were looking at it um and we'll kind of review a couple reasons why and then a couple reasons why he's probably fallen to where he is right here so six foot 217 pounds so i I love seeing running backs that are over 200 pounds there so that's great to be able to see also over six foot that's that's nice so to be able to see that that's great um the athletic testing um during the combine and pro day that is one thing that left a bad taste in people's mouths right we were wanting to see him faster, a little shiftier, et cetera. Uh, ends up running a uh, 4 uh, 6 four 40 time, which is like, ugh, that's, that's not what we want to see, especially when we have to compare um, Kenneth Walker and Brees and what they did with their athletic testing, right? So that's where you really see this chasm uh, between them get bigger when it comes to the athletic uh, testing side of things. But here's the thing that really kept him up in a lot of people's rankings before. He put up nearly 1,200 total yards and 10 touchdowns at 18 years old in the SEC. He immediately stamped himself saying, I am a running back. I am a good running back. And here's what just kind of exploded onto the scene to show the world. Uh, and over the course of his career, it was basically three consecutive uh, total yard seasons of 1,200. Like that's That's impressive. That is awesome production in the SEC. The same uh, benchmark and ruler that we're holding some of these other guys that we talked about earlier, too. So that is impressive to be able to kind of see. So I think the one thing that is starting to irk people is this athletic testing. Uh, I think people wanted to see him a little higher. And I've started to, in my own personal rankings, started to take a look at some of the deeper metrics. And I actually just want to give a shout, a shout out to uh, Noah Hills uh, with the Twitter handle at Noah More Parties. Uh, he's over with the Breakout Finder is one of their lead analysts there. And he does some really good work. Uh, I had seen some uh, of his threads that he'd put out with Isaiah Spill. And the one thing that he really has as a knock is his like relative inability to run the ball efficiently as compared to some of his teammates. So he got great volume, right? And with great volume can come great production even if it's not the most efficient production as compared to some of the other uh, teammates that he had. And that's important because they were given the same situation that Isaiah is, right? So, but so if you see them performing a lot better, was Isaiah really the most efficient or did he just get the most opportunities? And that's why we start to see some of these explosive numbers. So it's something that gave me pause. It's something I'm going to be looking into a little bit more. wanted to give Noah a shout out because I thought it was really interesting and definitely kind of challenged some of the beliefs that uh, he was right up there with Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall. Uh, and just kind of helped me kind of think through a little bit how I wanted to be position him in this draft class. But at the 111 at that point, I'd love seeing that type of production and it to me it was no brainer to try and scoop up who I think is the last of the remaining like top 3 of the running backs that you can grab in the first.
0: Yeah, and you know, there's a lot of great sites out there that, you know, do mock drafts and a couple different sites that aggregate them. It's been pretty wild to see the numbers on Isaiah Spiller. I mean, a lot of a lot of guys have him going back of the third round now which yeah. is still fine draft capital for a running back but i mean man how how much things have changed in just a couple months seriously i think it's you make a great point with the production and it it almost feels like two sides of the same coin to me and and first of all i also saw the work by noah awesome stuff um just great analyst in general but i mean he's putting up these totals in the sec being the athlete that he is. Right. So it's almost like we're double dinging him for the, like, because he didn't have, you know, the Kenneth Walker 1600 yard season. It was very consistent year over year. He probably had about a thousand rushing yards and threw in a hundred to 200 receiving yards, which great receiver, by the way, very versatile um, in the way he was used in that offense, but, you know, still able, like at the running back position, He's still able to amass these totals in the toughest conference in college football, being the athlete that he is. That said, there's been a lot of research done and the position that athleticism highly correlates to success at the NFL level is running back and definitely the tight end in the last, you know, 10, 15 years. So him running a four, six, I don't think it's a death sentence, but it, it forces us to push him down the boards. Yeah. Um, The slow guys that are great in the NFL, pretty few and far between at the running back position, right? You're, you're looking for the Holy grail, the Arian Foster, right? The undrafted unathletic guy that made it all work. Um, And there's certainly more than one way to win as a runner and a receiver playing that position. But I I feel like a broken record at this point. I do think the back half of this first round is just so tough to detangle pre-draft. Yep. If Isaiah Spiller slips to the fourth round, ugh, Ooh. not great. Yeah, no. If he winds up shocking everybody and he's in that Kenneth Walker, Brees Hall cluster for draft capital, I think late first, early second is probably still about where he should go. Yeah, that, that feels about right to me.
1: Yeah, I think that is required to probably even insulate him at this current position. If he does free fall in the
0: NFL, you're
1: you're going to see him fall even farther.
0: Yeah. So. I got to name Mr. Irrelevant, at least for this draft. <laughs> and this is definitely... I was i was trying to make a statement with this pick, which is not a cop-out. I, I could definitely see myself making this pick in real rookie drafts. Um, I took Desmond Ritter here. Yeah, baby. I took Desmond Ritter. And as of today, Dan, again, April 19th, we are so close. On average, he is projected to go at the end of the first round. Man. And this was... Not on anybody's radar until, you know, post-college season. Obviously, what a fantastic story, him bringing Cincinnati all the way to the college football playoffs. But some people are even projecting him now as a mid-first-round pick. Four-year starter, the only four-year starter, I believe, in this group, uh, especially because Sam Howell's an early declare. True. 350-plus rushing yards every single season. And when he went to the Combine, And he put up those numbers that four, five, something Dan just said, whoa, would you look at that? (laughs) And good night, good night, second round of rookie drafts, at least mid to late second round. I mean, now I think Desmond Ritter absolutely deserves to be in this conversation. I think the, there's the good, which is the scouts and the smart analysts will tell you that he's probably the most pro ready of this group, right? commanded a very efficient offense at Cincinnati and obviously brought them to, you know, the the semifinals of the college football playoffs. The flip side of that is lowest level of competition, right? So plays in the American conference, a lot of games against guys that probably are not going to go play in the NFL on the defensive side of the ball. And so it's, you're taking the good with the bad. I'm basically taking him as discount Malik Willis here, right? Yep. He is pro ready quarterback. Showed us the wheels in college, absolutely torched on the 40 yard track at the combine. And I think that if you're playing the game theory and you want to take the value at quarterback and look at guys that, if he does get first round draft, I mean, some people, Dan, have him going to the Steelers. I mean, yeah. if he goes to the Steelers, good night, Mitch Trubisky. I mean, this yeah. guy is going to get a shot. And with what he's shown us i think he has the i definitely think he has the talent to succeed in the right situation in the nfl so did i get too bold here or are, are you getting on board with the desmond ritter
1: pick? i love it because as you said i think without knowing the landing spot personally does it, it i love it because i i think i could see myself taking him here given a couple things going right i Always just love seeing him in the early second because I'm like, man, to be able to grab him in the early second would be awesome. So I I, I think this just pushes the envelope a little bit further. But as you said, if he e goes to the Steelers or something like that, that could be fantastic for him. Because uh, I think we would kind of say we are in on Jalen Hurts uh, going into his season. He drops to the second there, uh, has to wait a little bit, but proves himself. That's almost kind of where like there's a couple of leagues where I'm like, man, I hope he kind of sits behind someone for a little bit to maybe deflate his value and let me grab him in the second because I don't have some firsts there uh, to be able to to snake him because I think, again, someone that has the tools, uh, fits a bit of the Konami code profile with his rushing ability, Uh, That can just, when you unleash it in the NFL, can be massive for fantasy perspective. So I would probably rather him over some of these other quarterbacks here just because of that alone. As you said, it's kind of discount Malik Willis. Like if I don't have an early uh, first, I actually feel a lot better pressing the button in the late first. um, That's being undervalued for a guy that could very well um, start to be in a great position and have the rushing upside that's going to get put some points on, on your fantasy team. So I love it. I'm excited. I think we've been chatting about him. We've had the murmurs. We've been texting back and forth, and he's popped up a couple times. So uh, I'm with it here, and I, I think this is a overall brand positive pick to to wrap out the first.
0: Well, I'm here to crush your dreams, man, because I think he's a great value at the beginning of the second round or the early mid second round in rookie drafts, but I am here today to start this Desmond Ritter in the first round movement. I, like, I, this I'm, is – I'm all for it. If we can do it for
1: the people, even if it does come with the detriment of some of the leagues where I do need him to go to the second,
0: I think we can sure. start it now. And I'm, I mean, I'm all on board. Be careful. I mean, he goes mid first round. I mean, the flip side is he drops to the third round. I just say, I never said anything about Desmond Britter on our podcast. Well, oh, you know, I don't know. Whatever. We have a soundboard now, Max, and we're going to make sure that that gets brought back into the mix. That's fine. We got, we got the dates. We know that it was pre-draft. We know there's pre-draft, <laughs> but, but this was good, man. Honestly I love this because this is the real process. A bunch of shows ago, we had Mike throw up the poll on the old burner account. And it was like, what do you value most when you're looking for information for your rookie drafts? And everybody just took the cop out and said draft capital, which don't get me wrong. If you were forced to only look at one data point, that is probably how you'd be the most successful as a fantasy drafter. If you were like, give me the guy that the NFL likes the most. That is probably a sound strategy, but I think there's a lot of nuance here. I really enjoy the conversation, and I think it'll be fun to fire this up again in early May
1: and see how things have changed. Yeah, that's the best part about this, right? This is V1 of probably V2, V3 as it goes along throughout the offseason. We learn more as it goes along, but this is the first shot. It kind of based on profiles alone. This is what we got to operate off of. And I am excited to see who trends up, who trends down and who we probably keep exactly where they are. So uh, I think this has been great uh, conversation here. I'm stoked to see what happens post draft. I'm excited for the draft. As you said, I think there's going to be a lot of dramatics going on with so many of the different kind of wide receivers and and quarterbacks and where they're going to be taken. So uh, you, me and Mike, we got to do a little bit of a, a viewing party to see how the, at least the first round goes down.
0: Well, I can't top that, but if you'll indulge me one last time for the ghost of Mike.
1: Yeah, I
0: would say the cow probably comes in right behind Logan Thomas. uh... (laughs) So getting out of here for today, this is the Dynasty Dynamic. You stay classy, Dynasty Leaguers.
1: Thanks for tuning in.